the beautiful campus of California State University, San Bernardino, and the College of Arts and Letters, thank you for tuning in to the CSUSB Cal Podcasts. These podcasts focus on all things in the College of Arts and Letters. From our innovative, creative faculty in their teachings and outside projects to staff insights and our students carving their way in these COVID times. And our guest today is Rob Ray, Associate Professor in Art and Design, and welcome. Thank you. Let's get started about your background. Let us know where you grew up and what was that like? I grew up primarily in the U.S. American South. I was born in Alabama. My dad sort of worked adjacent, was worked for the government and kind of moved around a lot. So I was born in Enterprise, Alabama, which is a very small town, then moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and was there from kindergarten through eighth grade. Then we moved to Florida. I lived in Orlando and went to high school, then I went to University of Florida and then, you know, became, quote unquote, an adult and then moved to Chicago and have lived all over since then. But um, yeah, mostly I grew up in, I would I think of myself as growing up in Memphis, Tennessee. How is it you have zero Southern accent? <laughs> yeah, my parents wanted the same thing. They have a very strong Southern accent and so does my sister. My sister is a professor at Auburn in forestry. Well, what's interesting is I grew up in Memphis is, um, you know, Western Tennessee, which is... Memphis is a very kind of skinny, wide, wide state, I guess. And um, there is a Southern accent, but I think also the, so many people from Memphis are from everywhere. So all of my friends and stuff are like everywhere because of FedEx. And so it was very mixed, but definitely my parents and sister have a much stronger Southern accent than I do. I think also being an adult, I lived in Chicago for a long time. So, but I do say things like pin. Which is very southern. So, so I got a few still in my back pocket. Think of FedEx, and you said Memphis. It makes you think of Castaway right away. Yeah, right. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. So, describe your education path, and yeah. what point was art and design something that you began to pursue? Yeah, my grandmother really was enjoyed painting. Was a hobbyist painter, and was really good at it. Uh, really enthusiastic about it. I don't know. Good is a weird word to use about art, but or about anything really. But but she was very enthusiastic and very um, encouraging, and so I used to draw and stuff a lot with her. I think I f- started to really think about art and design in well, it's interesting, right? I mean, I think design is a field that a lot of everyone kind of experiences for a very long time before they really think about doing it, you know, because it's everywhere. And I started skateboarding; sort of had a second wave of popularity when I was in the sixth grade. And skateboarding for me was a huge discovery for me, I guess maybe is the best way to put it. Like, I think I did it because everybody was doing it at the time, but then it was a thing I just really liked. And I think the thing I liked about it, it's not a team sport, but you can do it with your friends, you know, unlike, like you can do it with a whole group of people, but then you can also just after school, go ride down the street and like skate for a while by yourself. And I really like that kind of dual experience of skating where like you can just do it for yourself and like kind of almost meditatively skate. And then you can also like meet up with your friends somewhere. Skateboarding is a, it's a sport. I don't, there are other sports that do this, but I think skating is really unique in this way. Oh, um, there's some forms of BMX riding as well, but skateboarding, contemporary skateboarding is this constant reinterpreting of the built environment. You know, it's like you're looking at the designed world and a skater looks at it totally differently than a landscape architect or designer or anybody might've looked, you know, loading dock was built to move stuff around, but a loading dock to a skater is something else, right? A handrail has a specific intention at the beginning, but my sense of what a handrail is, is totally different. And so it's a obstacle or it's something to have fun with. And so because of that, and also skateboarding is very heavily attached to design, the graphics on skateboarding, 
uh, skateboarding magazines were attached in a lot of ways to punk rock culture. And um, I, I, so I gravitated towards all that. I also became sort of politically aware in high school through punk rock music. And so a lot of kind of overlappings for me happened around design and politics and zine culture and skating. And so like I just sort of found my own creative voice through that and also my own sort of form of sport or physical expression through skating. And so I gravitated towards art making in high school and, and in middle school even. And that's also where I found independent radio and punk rock was on WEVL, which is an independent Memphis radio station. And I tape record episodes of that. I would fall, it would, the punk show came on at 10 and I would hit the record button and fall asleep. And, uh, and, and it would go chunk, you know, at the end of the thing and it would wake me up and I would flip the tape over and record and fall back asleep. And I would listen to that tape like all week until the next one came out. So shout out to independent radio. But yeah, that's a very long answer, but that's how I found, I think I found art and design through an untraditional, what feels like an untraditional path because it wasn't through school necessarily. But in some ways I, I'm very much not alone. I think a lot of people of my generation found design through kind of independent media and zine culture and skating and stuff. So oh, skateboards, yeah. I didn't think skateboard and surfing in the art. On yeah. Both surfing the is, boards. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you yeah. still skate? I, I do. Uh, falling hurts a lot more now than it used to. Uh, uh, and I, it's funny. I think about skating all the time, still like I do when I skated all the time. Like, like you'll, you'll see something yeah, and you'll yeah. go, that would be great. Yeah, all the time. Like it, it made me totally rethink what the world is really, um, even though I don't skate as much. And so I try to think like, even though I'm sort of out of the like that pocket age of skating and like where you can fall. 40 times a day and it doesn't hurt. But like, I still think of myself as a skater because I still have that brain space, you know, mentality, I guess. So I like to say attached to that. I just started rock climbing and I was at a climbing uh, class right before this. And that, that feels new to me, but also similar where you can see people sort of think about a rock in a way that is, we think about as a geologic object or something, but like a climber thinks about it as in this whole different way. And so it's really fun to experience a new sport. That kind one, of of, new one of the best regions here with Joshua Tree. Totally, yeah, yeah. I haven't even. I'm too. It's like that feels like the Super Bowl or something. I'm just like, oh, but like, it, I, I'm excited to fall off some of those rocks eventually. <laughs> Describe after high school your uh, oh, yeah. education path. My whole life, I've been interested in lots of things, and that I learned as a college student can work against you. Like I was really into playing music and skating and stuff, and my college path and that path didn't line up so well. And so I really struggled in college. I also discovered lots of things about how I learned that college exposed to me, but wasn't able to accommodate just like how I learned the size of the group I need to learn and all that kind of stuff. So I went to University of Florida. I kind of, I always jokingly say like I majored in drinking and fireworks, <laughs> you know, like, <clears throat> like I didn't do well. I didn't sort of understand the college experience as something that could really be totally wonderful and like mind blowing. And so I kind of just meandered. I was really into also into electronics. And so I got this job as electronics person. And then the first wave of the internet hit. And then you could kind of be like, oh, I, maybe I have a, maybe I could just have a career and not go to college. So I did that for a while. And then I kind of realized like, that's not, it took only about a year. And I was like, oh, I actually want to go back to school. So I went back to school as a returning adult uh, at Northeastern Illinois University. And it took me 13 years to graduate. And I finally graduated. And because uh, I had to take a lot of, classes at night and stuff when you're working full-time so um shout out to anyone who takes classes at night it's really hard thing to do and just keep going <laughs> you'll do it you'll do it uh and also shout out to the university for actually accommodating that 
complexities of people's life and having classes at night and stuff. It's really challenging. Anyway, I started art making in as a returning adult. I went to art and design. I did art and design program and it totally changed my life. And so I opened up an art space for art and new media in Chicago for art and technology. And that became like a 13 year project that has permanently changed my life every day and turned me into a working designer also. So that feels really good. So it took me I'm, a, I'm not a late bloomer. I'm like a tragically late bloomer, <laughs> but I'm okay with it. It's cool. You know, we all move at our own pace. So. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> I've come to terms with it. So. Robert Frost didn't write his first poem till he was, what, 40? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm only a few years behind him. <laughs> I, I think, I th I th well, I think 38. I, uh, okay, I th okay. I, th okay. I think 38 was his, his yeah, first nice. published poem. So <laughs> this is exciting to me, and I am so wanting to hear this. How did you get your job at NASA and what was that experience like? Oh yeah. So I, I worked at the Jet Propulsion Lab in Alcedina. All right. Yeah, I guess well Pasadena. You know, it's funny, there's a few different addresses for the JPL and the J but you know, outside of Los Angeles, between here and Los Angeles, we'll call it Alcedina. The Jet Propulsion Lab is an amazing place. NASA is a super interesting place to work. I ended up there because through art making and design I I have a, f a friend of mine who is a professor of design at Caltech. And the JPL is a NASA f facility, but it's managed by Caltech. It's a complicated kind of thing. But essentially what happens is, is you get your paycheck comes from Caltech, but all the work you do is for NASA. But she saw that there were some job openings in the human-centered design department there. I've, so I've been attached to programming and then kind of engineering for a lot of my life, but as a design human. And that's kind of what the JPL needs is, you know, it's largely a science and engineering entity, you know, NASA is. And she was like, hey, you should you should apply because you you are one of the few people that always come to mind when I think about someone who's a designer who'd work at JPL. Who so, is she? Oh, Hillary Mushkin is her name. She's a super great designer and artist. She's still at Caltech. And yeah, Hillary's work is great. She does some really interesting I'll just call it investigations into the, uh, the built environment and landscape. It's wonderful work. Shout out to Hillary Mushkin. So anyway, I applied and I was like, ah, you know, I'll never get it, whatever. And I got a phone call and they were like, hey, you should, you should talk to you more. And it took almost a year. And this is how life works, right? It's like, you think like, I don't know. And then like slowly, 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 slowly. And then like eight months after I talked to them, they were like, hey, you should come in for an interview. And I got the job. <laughs> so yeah, it's cool. It's great. It's great. It's an amazing place to work. It's one of those places where every two hours you're just like, you feel totally like an imposter because you're just like, I'm not this nerdy, you know? And then at the same time, you totally feel on top of the world and you're like, I'm working on this. I'm working on a the Mars rover, you know, like that's really great. Yeah. So I, I think everyone should hopefully think about this, that idea I just communicated, which is you may think something isn't for you, but actually it probably is, you know? And your way into something may be totally through the side door, which mine was. Like, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a physicist. You know, why would I ever work for NASA? But they actually used design really extensively there. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like, there is a place for me at a place like NASA. And it was great. I love that. So what drew yeah. you to Cal State San Bernardino? Yeah, I, um, I've always wanted to teach for forever. My mom taught for a while in middle school and elementary school. My dad is an accountant. For the, was an accountant for the government, but he also taught statistics classes like internally. And so I 
my sister is a professor of forestry at Auburn. So I've been kind of adjacent. I've been like professor adjacent for a long part of my life. I started, the thing that really kind of solidified it for me is the Jet Propulsion Lab has a really extensive, wonderful internship program where hundreds of people intern at the JPL every year. And so I started working with various PhD and master's students and BFA students there and and BS students there. And uh, I realized like that was the thing I like stayed up late to work on more, you know, was working with them and helping them kind of formulate their ideas, present their ideas, iterate on those ideas and keep going. And that was, and so I just wanted more and more and more of that. And I was like, if I, I should listen to myself sometimes (laughs) and, and actually do the thing that I feel myself moving towards. Yeah, so I started teaching. It's been great. What drew you specifically to Cal State San Bernardino? Oh, 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 oh. Inquiring minds want to know like me. Yeah, yeah. What I, Did you bring such a rich background to us? We're very lucky to have somebody like you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, there's I mean there's a there's kind of it's a it's a big answer. So let me see if I can make compartmentalize it a little bit. One of the things I think I went to a sort of fancy uh graduate school. I went to Rensselaer, which is an amazing engineering and tech school, our RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. It's in upstate New York. I went to Northeastern Illinois University, which is a, largely a commuter school and ironically northwestern part of Chicago, but it's called Northeastern Illinois. And NEIU kind of blew my mind because I realized there that like education is for everybody. You know, it's not something, it doesn't have to be in an environment where you feel like you're constantly trying to be excluded from it all the time. And that was the thing that kind of put me off. My first undergrad experience was I felt like I was just being weeded out all the time. It was so great to be met with like enthusiasm from professors and stuff at NEIU. And I really think the CSU system is a, a wonderful organization and concept. And so I, I was kind of motivated to teach in the CSU system. So that was the thing that sort of drew me to CSUSB maybe most powerfully was just knowing that like that model of teaching and learning turned so many pages in my life book, you know, that like I really wanted to move towards that. And like San Bernardino is really cool. Like it's super cool. Like I like, like I drive, I live um, west of the city. I have the most beautiful commute in the world. And I was just like, I can't believe like, I'm just like looking at like these magnificent mountains and stuff and it's just like totally epic we got snow finally last week and uh i was like oh this is like totally amazing and then i found my dog not too far from here three years ago so i have all these like kind of connections these tendrils to the inland empire and beyond so it felt good to come here yeah i was just like oh this seems really nice <laughs> so and it's what been great. did you think yeah. when you first went to that art and design building i the first time they it's gave beautiful. me a tour it's beautiful i'm like this is here yeah it's great. It is, isn't it? It's a gym. Love it. Yeah. So let's talk about the courses you teach. Oh, yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. I teach. Um, so this fall, I taught two classes. I taught Design 2600. Shout out to my Design 2600 peoples listening. Design 2600 is an introduction to digital 3D class. It's one of the kind of fundamental building blocks of the design major. It's a really fun class. It's where many students get first exposed to digital 3D creation. You know, they may have a kind of life history with Photoshop or Illustrator or more 2D-based tools. And so for many of them, DES 2600 is the first sort of taste they get of 3D. And that's really fun. It's fun to to like see that happen. 
uh, to students. And then I also teach a virtual reality class, and that class is the best. Like, it's so fun. It's so fun to see students who maybe were just like interested. They're like, VR sounds cool. So they sign up and then like for them to really get to imagine something and then have it be made manifest in a virtual world. It's just like the most amazing thing. It's it's so great. Uh, it was over online synchronous class. So that's challenging for VR because VR is a really kind of embodied experience. But we, we all made it through it. Again, shout out to my, my VR students. We made it. We made it. And then in the spring, I'm teaching user experience and user interfacing class, a UX and UI class. And that's where most of my research is in extended reality and UX and UI. So I got the v the VR extended reality part in the fall, and then you get the UX side of me and UI side of me in the spring. And then I'm also teaching design thinking, which is one of the first students, first classes students really take in the design program. So that's really fun too because it's I can't help but say this but it's really fun to get to students early you know and be, and to see them kind of like lean towards their interest and kind of help them find their way through design is also a field that's just exploding and has been it's been just been like a supernova for 20 30 years because of the internet so it's really fun to see them kind of grope around in the design dark and then they sort of start to see these things that they gravitate to and they start to put them together it's really wonderful so yeah, I'm so excited by the classes I teach. I'm excited by yeah. the classes yeah, thanks. I teach. Thanks. Yeah, it's really <laughs> Outside fun. Outside of all of this wonderful stuff yeah. and your work, yeah. what are some of your hobbies? I just started climbing. That's really fun. It's really, really hard. I'm an urban cyclist. I bike all the time. But as I don't wear like an outfit to bike, I just wear my jeans and I ride my bike to the grocery store or whatever. Uh, but I do it a lot. And so... I realized like all of my exercises from the waist down, like I don't do any upper body stuff. So I was like, oh, climbing would be cool. Um, and do, then- Do you do it here at our rec center? I haven't, I, I've been, I've been, you know, it's, uh, this is like, says something about me, I suppose, but um, I'm so nervous when I do something I'm new at, I always feel so awkward doing it in a place I don't know, you know? It's, so I've been going to this kind of smaller, different climbing gym, but I was like, oh, there is a, we have a place right here to do it. And so, I think I have enough confidence to go. Sure, sure, I'll go. I'll go. So yeah, so that's that's a new hobby of mine. You know what's funny is about art making and design is often your hobbies just kind of get folded into what you do. You know, this is uh, horribly embarrassing, but I'll go for it. I never cook, never, never. I'm I don't cook. Like it just it's just a thing, and it's not because I don't like cooking. It's just because I. I live a life where I'm very, let's just say time constrained. Busy is a weird word. So I'm constantly pushing the envelope of being on time to everything all the time, I feel like. And so cooking is the thing that I always just erase out of convenience to try to buy myself more time. But I was just uh, spending the holidays with my sister and I, I hinted to her, I was like, she's like, oh, do you want something for the holidays? And I was like, oh yeah, I actually do want to start baking more. Also, I saw the Great British Baking Show, and that wowed me so heavily. But uh, but I was like, oh, I, I think um, I think I do want to start baking more. And so she she and I made donuts this uh, last week, and it was they were so delicious. And I am so proud of myself. Thank you, Becky, my sister. She was just like, you got to do it. Like you're not leaving here without making the donuts. And so we did it, and they were so delicious. And I was like, I made these, and then that kind of really made me feel that creative spark. And so. I'm going to try to cook some more, bake and cook more. And baking is a science where when you totally. when you yeah. cook, you can add stuff, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but baking, yeah. you got to be right on the money. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and, and it made me realize the recipe, the cookbook, is such a wonderfully designed object, right? It's like 
and it has so many challenges. It has to communicate. It has to be exciting, but it has to be very, very instructional, you know, to like all the things. And it also, ha so it has to also tell you not just what you need, what food food you need to get, but also what tools you need. Also, what processes are involved, you know, like putting it in the oven, putting it on the stove, all the steps, proving the dough, whatever it is. And then like get a person through all those steps successfully to where they feel rewarded at the end. Like that's a huge load for any paper-based object to, to bear that I've, I've been also re... I'm newly enthusiastic about the power of instruction through cookbooks. I read them just to read yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, they're so interesting yeah. and photographs and everything. Totally. Well, then let's delve into what your favorite foods are. Oh, geez. Okay, so, you know, this is going to sound very basic, but that's okay. My favorite food is still pizza. <laughs> I think um, as a designer, you, you often spend a lot of time attached to kind of digital agencies or ad agencies or whatever. And so... And they like bribe you with pizza all the time. Like, hey, okay, hey, can you keep working on this tonight? We'll order pizza. And that works for me. <laughs> so so that's that's probably my top pick. Also, my goddaughter, my fairy goddaughter and I, we do a lot of homework together, but also we watch movies together. And so we always order a pizza with that. So I have a very kind of special pseudo familial connection to pizza that I, I really enjoy. So. I am suspicious of anybody who doesn't like pizza. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> It's another one thing that like everyone understands the, the idealized basic pizza in their head, but it could go a million different directions when you make it. I have yet to be so bold as to try to make pizza from scratch, but you know, it's intercession. Maybe I could, you know, turn it's, that around. It's, it's actually very easy. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I hated New York pizza. I tried it a few times. I've only been to New York once uh, and everybody uh. says, oh, we'll go to this place, go to that place. And I'm like, it's three different places uh, during my trip. And I'm like, no, nah. Didn't uh, happen, huh? Oh, didn't interesting, happen. interesting. So, I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was pizza, so it couldn't be horrible, yeah, but right, it was right. not my favorite. Right. And uh, I've traveled in various places around the country, and, and when I do pizza, something I try. You're you're like 10 out of 10 pizza. What would it be like? Uh, I love Chicago deep dish. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. I, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. On the other hand, thin crust, crispy, extra sauce, yeah. extra cheese. All right. Nice. <laughs> do you, do you, now it's time for me to ask you a, question, a second question, I guess. Do you have a, a local place that you're like, this is my jam? No, it's a chain. I don't. Yeah, see, that's, that's, the, that's the, yeah. No, yep. I'm, I'm Papa John's. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't found one. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep looking. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll trade emails and see if we can <laughs> narrow right. it down. And finally, what are some of the things you'd like your students to take away with them oh. after they spend time with you? You know, I have a life personal philosophy, I guess, and that is to stay curious. That's the thing I think motivates me the most. I think it's the thing that is like very also like socially healthy, right? Like if you go to a party and you're the person who's talking all the time, and you never ask anyone a question, you're probably not the funnest person in the party. And so so I think in some ways, as a social protocol, staying curious is a good idea because you never know who you might meet at a workplace, at a party, whatever it is. And through questions and curiosity, you you discover a lot of things about the world. And also like it, it takes you, I for me, being curious takes me to yes. Like, oh, I'm curious about this thing. Okay, yes, I'll do it, right? As opposed to like, I'm afraid of that. No, I won't do it. And so I feel like, Curiosity is a pathway for me to kind of live my life to the fullest. It's the thing I, I try to communicate a, across all my classes to any student, Cur especially as a designer. Curiosity is the thing that's going to get you to a good design. It's not skill will get you there, 
to a point. Where you work will get you there to a point, right? Your collaborators, your colleagues. Your client, in some ways, will get you there. But your curiosity will weave all of those components together and create a great designed object, whether it's product design, visual graphic design, design strategy session, whatever it is that you happen to have. And it's also the thing that like makes you lean into music. It makes you lean into cooking. It makes you lean into all these things that um, the world has to offer us in the very short amount of time that we're here. So I'll stick with that one, curiosity. I may have to uh, enlist you to come to talk to the, the Coyote advertising students. Because oh, cool. They're all art and design majors. Yeah, nice. That's, what, that's why they're here. <laughs> yeah. My people. We, we've been spending time with Rob Ray, Associate Professor in Art and Design, and thank you. This was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. As a longtime fan and ex-college radio DJ myself, it feels very at home to be here. And uh, it's also very exciting that... CSUSB has such a cool facility and like program really to have radio be a part of people's lives. Yeah, it's cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. We hope you have enjoyed today's CSUSB Cal podcast. Look for other episodes from the College of Arts and Letters on the campus of California State University, San Bernardino.